Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. All right, it's one of those topical days, you know, where we come in thinking we know what the hell we're talking about. But thinking who knows? <laughs> Just thinking that. Not, not, not knowing that for sure, but thinking it. Yeah, thinking it. Um, so the title of this one, if you haven't read it yet, is Liberate Yourself from the Need to Be Special. So, uh, you know, this is uh, something that actually on the last podcast we kind of realized we're like, Oh, that's a whole topic. We need to do a whole podcast episode just on that. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's this, this is kind of the millennial struggle. This is the thing that, um, we're all dealing with. I mean, if you were born in the eighties or anytime later than that, even some of the people in the late seventies, mid to late seventies, um, chances are your parents or your teachers or somebody, probably your parents, um, encouraged you that you were special and encouraged the idea that, you know, um, you were this kind of like wonderful being just because you're yeah. this wonderful being, which yeah, is that whole wonderful snowflake, yeah. you know, like sort of special snowflake. You're all special snowflakes. <laughs> yeah. Which is actually partly true and partly false. And so this, we're going to talk about it and we're going to talk about kind of the effects that have happened, share some of our own experiences with that. And, um, the, I think the, the, I think where it went wrong, where it all went awry was, you know, our parents or whoever, um, or the world kind of told us we were special because it wanted us, you know, the, the idea was it was done out of genuine care. It was done out of the fact that's like, yeah, to be yeah. encouraging, yeah. to not be discouraging to young kids, to young minds and stuff like that. But, um, so yeah, it, it was, it came out of a good intention. It came out of a good place. Yeah. And if you look at history, if you go back in time, you can actually see in a lot of cultures where people weren't encouraged to be special when they were, when they were taught that they weren't, there was a lot of, um, negative effects that came out of that too, where people didn't value themselves. They didn't see themselves as having any uniqueness or separateness from the whole, um, there was a, a lot of like fitting in and, and basically following the status quo and following the rules, um, not really questioning things. Yeah. And, um, you know, so as time evolved, you know, the, the idea that, okay, well, everybody isn't just a drone. Not everybody is just this carbon copy industrial revolution product that's just here to, you know, hammer a, hammer something on a, on a conveyor belt. You know, yeah. we're... we're we have unique qualities, unique, um, you know, uh, strengths and weaknesses, and it makes us all different and whatever. And this is true, but I think where the problem went wrong for our generation and where we struggled with is because society was still in a very competitive mindset in the sense that it was an us versus them. And it was like, who's the best. And that we also grew up in that kind of, uh, society as well. What ended up happening is we took special as I'm special, meaning that I'm not just saying this for me. I'm saying this for most millennials, most people of our generation and younger is that 
I'm special. So that means I'm better than most everybody else just because, yeah. and I'm, I'm born into something where I should be treated like a rock star, or some type of wonderful thing. I'll just show yeah. up and I'll collect my trophies and whatnot. And that's the most extreme. Yeah. But we, we have this in, in, in certain ways, but in, we're looking at it as though special is meaning that you're better than someone else or better than others. And yeah. that's where it's really the problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a whole slew of things that happen there. And it's like, and it's interesting that what was done out of, to not be discouraging has in the, it, in the long run, um, has led to a lot of people being discouraged. Yeah. Um, because you know, you're going out there and whether you're conscious, like, cause for myself, it's like, I'm one of the early, like, early millennials, like one of the first years of it, where it's like, I, I'm kind of on a cusp. I'm a cusp millennial where I still have like, in like was somewhat before, like a lot of the technology that boom, that we kind of associate with the millennials. So I kind of got to see some of that happen. And I grew up with a little bit of, as you did seeing a kind of a life for a little while before everything kind of exploded. Hmm. Um, but there's, uh, I was taking this somewhere, I know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, what it's ultimately done is it's, it's become more discouraging in the long run because, uh, all right. Yes. Yes. This is what I was getting to is that I never went around being like, I'm special. You know, like I, I, I don't feel like I went around being like, uh, an entitled little punk or anything, but certainly there, I think, it's one of those things that just kind of operates under the surface for a lot of people. Mm. It's not like, that's like a dramatic example that you see of, of people who, who are just like, I'm special and blah, blah, blah. And you know, like they're pretty out with it. That's pretty, very particular. That's a very particular type of person who came out of that whole thing. I think for the most part, most people, it was this underlying thing. Yeah, it was subtle in their life. It was a subtle thing. It's just like, Oh, I'm, I'm special and I'll, I'll do this. And, and it'll, it'll be great because I'm special and people will, will sit, you know, will open up. Everything will open up to me because I'm special. Yeah. Right. And then what happens is that you're going along for years and years like this and you're being reinforced that you're special. Uh, and then you hit your first piece of adversity and maybe you're okay, but then you hit your second and your third and your fourth. And suddenly being special doesn't seem to mean shit. And you're not, and, and you start to wonder, it's like, well, am I not special? Am I not like, what, what do I have to do? And then you start to question the whole thing. Yeah. You start and to start, question if you are special. Yeah. And then the next problem occurs, which is that the need to be special kicks in. Yeah. Because now you go, well, maybe I'm not special, but now I need to be, because if I'm not special, then what am I? I'm nothing. So now what <laughs> happens is the next stage is you begin to try to fight to be special. And that is a whole dangerous slope too, because now, you know, just to actually feel like you're meeting up to what you thought you're supposed to meet up to. Now you have to somehow prove or figure out a way to be special. And yeah. so then the work ethic 
um, isn't so much because you want to earn and work your way forward. It's mostly just you're, you're working hard to prove that you are special. So, you know, I've seen this so much with the, with myself and with actors and stuff like that, where, you know, we were all working so hard to be the best actor. And I don't know if, if we were all necessarily working that hard to be the best actor because we really wanted to be the best actor. It was because we needed to be special. We needed to be special. <laughs> you know, yeah, you because to... we needed to be special to be famous, to succeed, to whatever. And yeah. so then, you know, and that's a dangerous and, kind of road. To and you down. need to be, and then you start to needing, yeah, to be special in like for actors, especially it's like you have to be special in, in the classroom you know, you've got to be the special one in the classroom who knocks everybody's socks off so that you know that you're special and that you've got a chance or something, you know, it's a crazy kind of a psychology around it. And then and the same thing with the audition room, you know, it's like, I've got to be the special one in this, these rows of people are all going out for the same thing as you. And you're like, what am I doing? That's going to separate me from, from everybody else. What am I going to do to stand out? you know, what am I, and and it's interesting because then you start making all kinds of decisions that are, I I have a sense here that this conversation is, is going to head, head into the direction of, of honesty here. (laughs) Cause it, it, that seems to be one that, that comes up, but I'm, I'm already sensing it. Like, but you know, this whole thing of being special, it's like, it makes us do all kinds of really contrived things to try and stand out. And it's actually the opposite direction of where you want to go to end up standing out. Cause there's kind of a paradoxical nature to this whole thing of being special because it's like you are special, but you're not actually special in that way. You're all, you're actually special, but not in the way you think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the thing is, is that, um, people, if everybody is trying to do the thing to stand out, to be special, then nobody's special because everybody's doing the same thing. Yeah. And what people don't realize is that by trying to stand out, they're actually fitting in because everybody's yeah. trying to stand out. So it's ironically, when you don't try to stand out, you actually stand out because being authentic, being real, being genuine. And I think that, you know, we've been talking about this a lot over these podcasts. It's like, that's why authenticity and being genuine and being real pay off so well. Yeah. You know, and like when you look back at, uh, you know, when you look back at a lot of, it's never really changed when you look back at like the big stars, you know, you look back at say, uh, James Dean, Marlon Brando, Marilyn Monroe, Meryl Streep, whoever, like De Niro, all these people, the thing that actually made them stand out was that they didn't try to stand out. And that's how they stood out. Like, even if they were, even if it seems like they were doing something to stand out, like people ironically notice, uh, they they notice something that is, it's unusual. And when you think about it, we live in a society where it's actually more unusual to be authentic and to be real than it is to be kind of a facade or fake or pretend or present. Yeah. And so, you know, weirdly enough, part of our psychology of being told that we're special and then interacting with the fact that we're not has made us be inauthentic because we think that we aren't enough. So that's why we have to do little extras. That's why we have to do the little, little more. Yeah. And I, you know, I want to kind of stop everybody here just on the podcast who's listening. This is your first, your first task. Check in where you've been special, 
or where you think you've needed to be special and where you've overcompensated. Where are you even right now trying to be more than what you are and telling yourself that what you are isn't enough, that you have to do this or this or this, you know, that you're making your, um, your worth contingent. And if you, if you, you know, and and look back at our last podcast where I talked about motivation and contingency, Mm -hmm. basically like when you add a contingency to your motivation, what ends up happening is it actually undercuts you. So if, you know, basically I need to do this, this, and this to be special. So once I do this, then I'm going to be special and everything will be great. Right. I have to win that award. I have to make this film. I have to do this role. I have to, you know, make this amount of money, whatever it is. So basically you'll be special once you get this thing. That, that's the, the trick we kind of, in one of the ways, and there's probably more ways, but it's one of the ways we t- try to tell ourselves. Yeah. And then we play this game out. And when it ironically happens is we can't get the thing that we're contingent on to feel special. And if we do, it doesn't really work. And then you get frustrated. And so some people leave and they walk away and they quit. And those who hang in there might actually wade through it and go, you know what? This is a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, and then it's just like, hopefully you're not just discouraged or disillusioned because I think that's what happens too. I think sometimes people, you know, like people have been in the industry, especially the film industry too long or music industry too long. Yeah. And they start to get that negative chip on their shoulder. Yeah. And they start talking about how the, oh, the industry's all screwed. They only want young people who are good looking and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, you're now what you've done is now you're being maybe more honest with yourself, but now you're making, you're blaming something, you know, so you can justify not overcoming because it hurts to realize you're not special and to realize that it, you might be actually kind of in many ways on the ground level with everybody else. Yeah. And it feels like you have to start over, you know, in certain ways, because, you know, you might've done a lot of, put a lot of time in a lot of work and now you realize, oh shit, I got to start from square one again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and within like the art forms and like the, the industries that are around art forms, this whole thing of specialness is so, um, you know, it's almost exaggerated in many ways, you know, it's just like, it's a very extreme example of this whole thing of specialness. It's like, everybody's in, everybody's a bunch of special people trying to be the most special Mm. person that's in the room that's, you know, (laughs) like out there. And it's, uh, to me, the big thing about that is that it's like, it's, uh, it is such a, uh, it's such a difficult thing to maintain. Mm -hmm. There's a prison that gets created. You know, when you, when you like, that's why this title is like liberate, like liberate yourself from the need to be special because when you don't need to be special, you're free. You actually get liberated. But the problem is, is like, we're hanging on so tightly to this need to be special that we don't realize if we just let go of that, that we would actually kind of be special. Like that's kind of the funny thing about it, right? Like, it's like, you know, it's so interesting how it works because, you know, when people, and when people don't try so hard, there's something really attractive about that. Like I'm not talking, don't work hard. I'm not talking, don't apply yourself and put effort and energy in. But when you don't try so hard to be or make it any more than it already is, like when you let the thing you did or the thing you're a part of or whatever you're up to be it, that's enough. You know? Yeah. Like, you know, give me an example of how this works. Someone's like, Oh, I went down to the soup kitchen and I helped like all these people. And they're talking about how, like, you know, it really made this impact on the world. And it's like, 
case, like what, what happened? You went down to the soup kitchen and you gave some people some soup. It doesn't need to be more than that. We'll defer, we'll, we'll discern. We'll go, oh, that's really great. You don't need to tell us how wonderful it is. You know what I mean? But yeah. people will do this. They'll do the little extras just to make sure you know how great I am. Yeah. I went down to the soup kitchen and, and you see this on like social media and, and everybody knows that it's bullshit. Yeah. Right. It's, and, it's the little sort of, you know, wink to the audience. Yes. If you will. It's like, do you see what I just did there? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah, it was great until you did that. <laughs> <laughs> you broke the magic like trick. You broke the magic trick because yeah. now it's all bullshit, isn't it? Because yeah. you're doing it all for you. Right. You know, it's not for, for anybody else. Like it's all for you. You're not doing it to, you know, and the other thing is that the inauthentic, the authentic part about that soup kitchen example is that you're supposed to be there. I mean, well, whatever, but, but we appreciate someone who helps at the soup kitchen mm. because we go, Oh, that's great. You took time out of your schedule to go help these people. Like how awesome. But when you say like, see, I took time out of my schedule to help these people. We're like, no, you're just like, we go, yeah, yeah, that's great. But we're like, really what you want. It was for you. It was for us. So we could see you take time out and of you. You're like, Oh wow. You're special. Yes. <laughs> you're so wonderful. You know, you, you do things like this, right? Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that when you're being authentic and you're being real, you do stuff like that or whatever, and you don't realize how wonderful it is until someone goes, you know, that's pretty wonderful what you did. And you go, oh yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess that is kind of cool. Thank you. you. (laughs) Exactly. Genuinely. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you appreciate it. And the same thing with your acting performances or the movies you make or whatever you go, someone goes, you know, that script you wrote or that movie you made or that performance you did, like it, it, it had me in tears or it had me in stitches, you know, like I really got this part and I thought that was so cool. Or this monologue you wrote, you know, like that was so true. And it's like, you go, oh yeah, cool. I'm glad you saw that. You know, it's like, I was hoping that would happen, you know, but like, thanks for bringing it to me. Right. And the thing is, is instead of going out there and trying to prove what you did or try and assert, you know, you let the audience tell you. And, and, and the thing is, is like authenticity and being real is not something that you do to be rewarded. You do because it liberates you and it's easier and it's more truthful. And you know, and the thing is, is I think sometimes you can be really authentic and real and honest and then nobody notices and you don't get rewards. But that kind of brings it back to the next question. Why are you doing everything you do? Are you doing it just to get rewards and get recognition and acknowledgement? Or are you doing it because that's actually how you want to be and live your life? Yeah. Right. In which case, if, if that is how you are, then it doesn't matter. You know, like the, the having somebody tell you you're special doesn't really matter because your reward is within the work itself. Right. You know, you're doing it for its own sake. And yes, I mean, this is so interesting, this whole thing about, about being special because yeah, it really is that the, the need to be special, um, makes you inauthentic. Mm. I think that's what I'm kind of early discovering in, in this conversation is that it, and we've done so many podcasts and so many talks on like authenticity. We talk about it, we touch on it. I don't know, probably at least one or two episodes every month, mm-hmm. uh, into a little bit, but yeah, this need to be special makes you inauthentic because now you're, you're listening your, and your drive is coming from, a place that is, is really contrived. 
this really ego centered, uh, and it becomes a really dangerous game because what happens is in this need to be special, to stand out, whatever you, now you start doing things and you start acting and behaving in a way, you start making choices in a way, um, that you think will make you special, that you think will make you stand out, that you think people will like. And the thing is, is that you can never, ever possibly know that. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because your ego kind of knows that too. And deep down, we, we kind of know that. But the thing is, is and, and check with yourself on this. Like, like, think about, I want everybody to think about what it is that I'm saying, because this is a concept that when it came to me, like, I don't know, a few year or two or whatever ago, I was just like, what? But it's true. Is that it is a completely self-destructive pattern because you know that you can never know that. You know that you can never know how to create that result, but you do it anyway. And it's complete insanity. It's completely crazy because you set yourself up to fail. Hmm. You've set yourself up to basically, um, prove yourself right. And that you're not special. So in your effort to try and be special, you're actually setting yourself to prove you to yourself that you're not right. Because you can never, ever, ever possibly consciously make that happen. Right. Not possible, not doable. And even if you did it, you wouldn't even know it. Like you, like there's no, you'd have no way of knowing it whatsoever. So instead you just can't, you'll just continue going, Oh, was that special enough? Was that unique enough? Was that blah, blah, blah. And, and you'll never know. And so you just keep on fighting against this invisible, this invisible thing out there that you've got to prove yourself in some way. It's a battle you just can't win. Mm -hmm. So if you're fighting that battle right now, stop fighting that battle. (laughs) Yeah. Just stop. Just stop needing to be any more than you are. You, you, the, the, the interesting thing about this whole thing about we actually are special in, in the sense that if you were being totally genuine and authentic and real and honest and kind of what I would say is vulnerable, you would actually discover that you have something that is so profoundly special and unique. That's so one of a kind, that's so incredible that it would essentially like make life so much easier because you realize, Hey, look, I don't have to do that much to actually like, you know, to get kind of what I want anymore. Yeah. Like it, I don't have to work at it. I don't have to think about it. I can, I can literally just show up and I got to be vulnerable and honest and open. You know, it's, it's interesting. Um, one thing that I found like as a filmmaker, right? Like, I mean, I teach people, they got, they're hiring me. Like, you know, I have, I have clients in Ireland and England and Europe all over in New York and LA here in Vancouver, across Canada. You know, I'm working with lots of different people from all over. And you know, I, I, they don't hire me because I'm the most experienced necessarily. And I have the most credentials as a screenwriter. I, I, cause I don't, I mean, the truth is I don't. And I, you know, and in certain ways, sometimes I'm like, man, like, who am I? Like, I should, I should have so much more, to, you know, under my belt before I dare to go teach or help somebody else. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is like, I look at it like this. It's like, look, I, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Like I'm in process too. I'm figuring this stuff out I, as I go. But like, 
the thing about me as a, as a person is that I love story and I dedicate my life to telling story. And, you know, I, at one time I was having a, I think I shared this on earlier podcasts, but I was struggling with this one writer is a lot older than me. He's like twice my age. And, um, you know, I'm, I said, you know, we're talking about a story. And I said, you know, there's this period in my life where I went through this really, this really like deep kind of dark depression. You know, it was really like, it was tough. You know, I did this show and it didn't really work out the way I thought it was going to work out. And, you know, I felt like I lost a lot of my close friends at the same time. You know, I was dating this girl and, and, you know, it all kind of came to light that we didn't really even have something that was very real. It was, you know, it was kind of all bullshit, really. I started to realize that, you know, and I, and I thought I, you know, I thought I had it real. I thought I had the thing. I thought my career was on its way and it all kind of fell apart. And, you know, what it taught me during that time was that as hard as that was, it's a really interesting part of my journey. And it gave me a lot of profound depth and a lot of like introspection. And I actually started to find out that I was making like the real friends, real genuine relationships. And, you know, and so I went on and I shared my story and, and they said to me afterwards, they're like, you know, I wasn't sure about working with you, but then you told me your story as like, I get it now. It's like, I get why they hired you. I get why. Cause he's like, and it's like, that's sometimes all it takes. It just takes being real with someone, Yeah, you know, as opposed and, to me showing up going, listen, I'm the fucking best screenwriter ever. You listen to what I say. Like, I don't do that. Yeah. Right. But like, I just shared my story and go, look, this is, this is how I try to do story. And you know, it seems to be working all right with some other people. Maybe it'll work with you. Let's try it out. And then, you know, and it doesn't have to be like, Oh, how many Oscars have you won? You know, how much money have you made out? What's the biggest picture you've been a part of? It's not really about that anymore, you know, because, you know, you, you, you don't realize that you don't have to have all these accolades to be extremely valuable and helpful to other people. Yeah. And, and not to say that those accolades and, and awards won't come in time, but like, w- otherwise, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make my, my ability to help people contingent on me having to have a certain amount of success before I'm even allowed to do that. It's like, well, not necessarily. I mean, how many great parents are out there who they're wonderful? Like, you know, they went off and they helped their child to, to do a, incredible things, but they never did them themselves. I mean, think about Wayne Gretzky's father, right? Yeah. Think about, think about Michael Jordan's parents, you know, like think about, uh, Connor McDavid's parents, What they aren't, they didn't do anything. That's like, we don't know their names, but we know their child's name. Why? Because they, maybe weren't able to do it themselves or haven't done it themselves or that wasn't their journey, but they knew how to provide for someone else some type of value. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is that it's re- regardless if, if that's what they wanted or not. The thing is, is that we sometimes don't realize that it, it takes a certain amount of like authenticity, you know, to, to just get over yourself and do what you feel is a good thing in the world, you know? Like I look at these athletes and I look at their parents and I look at the athlete and I think, man, that the parents don't get the acknowledgement, but they are almost more important because if you think about it, that kid never had a chance. If that parent wasn't driving them to hockey practice, if it wasn't paying for their gear, isn't enrolling them in it at a young age, getting them on the ice training or, or shooting that ball or, or encouraging them in some way, that kid probably would not be the success they are right? So in, in a lot of ways, I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio talks about this. his greatest thank, thankful person is his mom who used yeah. to drive him across town to do it. You know? So the thing is, is that 
the great thing that we do is sometimes not like it's, it sometimes we're the one that creates the allowance for someone else to do great. Mm. But I think what's important though, is also that we don't give up on our own thing that it's not just about that, that, that part of our own success is about getting over ourselves too, you know? Yeah. Not getting in our own way because I mean, let's face it. I think most people stand in their own way of success. I don't think the world stands anyway. I don't think, I don't think it's these things. I think what happens is that we won't, we just won't let go that it all begins with a humble beginning. Everything does. It all begins mm-hmm. at square one, step one. You got to crawl before you walk. You got to walk before you run. And this is just life. Yeah. And if you're, if you're crawling right now, that's okay. Just be honest that you're crawling and crawl better than, than you've ever crawled before. But don't pretend to be a runner when you're still crawling. Cause we all yeah. know that that's bullshit. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think this is kind of, I think the thing is, is you're right. It does come down to honesty. It comes down to us admitting where we're really at and not being ashamed of that yeah. and not having so much pride or ego around it and being like, Hey, this is what I've been doing. This is how I've been doing life. Yeah. I've been crawling and I've been pretending to run. So let's go back and I'm going to crawl right now, but I'm going to yeah. crawl. Well, I'm going to do my crawl because eventually I'm going to get up on my feet and I'm going to walk. And then when I walk, I'm going to really go on a walk. And then when I can start running, then I'll start running and sprinting. I'll start sprinting and leaping and jumping. Then I'll start doing that. But you don't leap and jump bounds if you haven't even crawled. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is that it's all in relation because you only know, you only know that you're leaping and jumping and bounding because you've crawled. Right. How, otherwise, how else would you know? And right? sometimes how you know yeah. the difference. You, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. Um, Another thing I just wanted to comment and just this whole thing of, you know, you telling your story and the connect that the connectedness, you know, for everybody out there, think about, think about the people that you are closest to in your life, the people who you have, you know, been through some shit with, you know, I don't mean like been through some shit as in like, you know, you got into like fisticuffs or something necessary. I just mean like people who have been there by your side through like thick and thin. And I want you to think about what has bonded you with that person as much as, as it has. Mm. And it's, and it's those moments, I'm just going to tell you, but you know, it's, you already know it's true. Uh, it's those moments that you are, that you were with those people and all the bullshit dropped away and you really were just with each other like you were actually who you were with each other. You actually said what was really going on, what you were really thinking, what you were really feeling. And you were, and you were with it and with that person. And that's when you feel the most connected to those people. But, and it's the same thing with our work and how we are in our lives. And this whole thing about being special, the special is the facade that we put up but it's really the moments when it, the, all the shit drops away and that you just are, and that you are being and you're doing that is really what makes you special. Mm-hmm. But it requires that you do something that feels very unnatural, which is to kind of drop your defenses, to drop your shit, which we've all got shit. We've all got tons of it. Right. But as we start to drop more and more and more of it, we 
begin to prove to ourselves how, how that is kind of the thing that makes us all special Mm. is the thing that's real inside us, which we tell ourselves it's not enough, right? That's the special part. That's the whole special thing trying to tell us, no, 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 no. That's not enough. Who you are is not enough. You've got to be something more. It's like, well, what you are is already perfect. Mm -hmm. You've got to get, it's actually all this shit that you're trying to do. That's that you think makes you special. That's actually holding you back. It is what's holding you back. It's actually the thing that's holding you back. It's actually stopping you. It's actually blocking you. This is why I mean, it's it's part of that crazy cycle of, of things of this whole special game where it's like, you can't possibly ever know. Well, it's also a thing where it's like, it's actually all of your blocks isn't the special thing. All this shit that you, that you, that you do, that you've convinced yourself of that this is going to be the thing that shoots me into the stratosphere is actually the thing that's that like chained you to the ground. Mm. It's not the fucking rocket boots. It's chains. Yeah. <laughs> but you think it's rockets. <laughs> it's not. It's, you know, it's interesting, right? So the, um, the whole idea, I think the big issue that comes down with this being special thing, the problem is, is that we begin to pretend we're better than we really are because we believe that if the world um, knew who we really were, it wouldn't accept us, you know, um, that we need to somehow have this image or look like we have it together or look like, you know, we know. And so if anyone discovered we didn't, we'd be like, well, I have nothing to offer or people reject me or make fun of me. I mean, think about when you were in elementary school and in certain ways, you know, elementary school just enforced this idea even more, right? basically other kids would, would make fun of you if you didn't know, or, you know, if you did something weird or whatever. And so what ended up happening was, you know, you developed ways to posture, ways to image, ways to pretend you knew what you were doing, ways to avoid even standing out, like not speaking up because you don't know the answer. Cause you'd rather not speak up than, than put your hand up and make a mistake. Cause it's safer to say not even answer than it is to answer, but answer wrong. Mm -hmm. So what is the lesson that we learn? Well, we learn as we grow up, that's like, okay, well the best way to, you know, failure is bad because if I, there's consequences that come with getting it wrong. So it's better to not even try. Yeah. And we don't realize that not even try is the worst thing you can do because now you didn't even participate. Now you're, now you're invisible. Now you're, you know, you're, you're basically playing safe, hanging out in the back, not being vulnerable, not being open. And, um, you know, uh, you know, what's think of it like this. I, I like to think of it like this, w- sit in the front of class in life and have the whole class behind you looking at you. And when, when the teacher asks a question, you put up your hand right away, even if you don't have the answer, you know, and you go, you know, I don't know for sure, but could it be this? Right? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. No, that's not it. Well, that's the worst thing that can happen. You know what? The thing is, is that you try, you know, you make an attempt and you also have the whole audience watch you because you need to learn that life is not a, like being special is not about, uh, always having the answers, always knowing, always having it all together. You know, what it is more about is about a willingness to stand up and do something. 
I share another story and you were a part of this one. We were down at an American film market. Yeah. Remember? And it's the first time we were down there, young guys, like way out of our tree, just kind of like, holy shit around all these producers or whatever. Yeah. And you know, it seemed like a pretty big deal and we're down there and, uh, there's the pitch conference and people are doing their pitches or whatever. And we're like thinking, should we go up? Should we pitch our movie, the townsfolk and all this? And, um, and I, I remember we were talking, we were discussing, like, let's do it. Let's do it. And then basically we threw our cards in, but they weren't called. And they said, okay, who else wants to go? And instead of pulling from the card, they just asked us, you know, we had kind of talked to him and I said, fuck it, I'm standing up. And I just, I remember I stood up right away, put my yeah. arm up and you were wearing a white shirt. <laughs> yeah. here, so you just stood out. I just stood out in this fucking sea of 300 people. And sure enough, they chose us. If I took a moment to think about that, would have never happened? Yeah. That moment, even though our pitch wasn't perfect, even though we didn't really know what we're doing, we learned so much from doing that pitch. Yeah. Plus it opened us up to the entire market because after that, how many people approached us and talked to us without us even having to go out of our way because we were, we were on stage. We were the live people pitching out of the very few. Yeah. And what we did was we became magnets and it didn't matter that our pitch was not perfect. But people saw, you know, these guys are genuine. They have a pretty interesting story and they came up and like, we made a whole lot of friends. We, we, we had a whole bunch of great opportunities and it really started from us basically being vulnerable and trying something and and going out and and going, okay, let's do this and not thinking, but just go and do a little bit. You know what I mean? And that the thing is, is it made us kind of special, but not because we're trying to be special. You know, and that's the, and that's for that moment, for that weekend, for that week, or at least whatever. Right. I mean, I think about those incredible experiences we had and it, and that, that, that's one of those moments where, you know, I think it takes vulnerability. It takes a certain amount of courage. It takes a certain amount of going, okay, like I don't have all the answers. I don't know what I'm doing, but let's go try and do it. You know, one last thing. Yeah. If we're rated say out of 10 inability at anything, right? Could be acting, filmmaking, uh, screenwriting, painting, music, whatever. It doesn't matter. But if we're rated at 10 and 10 is absolutely fucking awesome and zero is no ability whatsoever. Never even picked up a guitar and never even been on stage yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, one is like, I've, I've tried it. I've done a little bit. I kind of get how it goes, you know, whatever. If we pretend we're at seven or eight or nine, but really we're at three or four, the thing is, is if you pretend you're at seven, eight or nine, you can never improve because you're always lying to yourself. So you never actually work on the things you need to work on because you're always yeah. trying to posture as though you're so well off. If you would just be honest with yourself and be like, you know what? Um, I'm not going to put myself in the same category as Meryl Streep or Edward Norton or someone. I'm going to put myself in the category of, you know, this person who's just kind of learning and figuring out how to act if you, if you function from being more honest at like two or three or four, whatever you are and said, okay, that's where I'm at right now. You'd actually work on the things that could make it possible for you to be an eight or nine or 10. But I believe the reason why we don't ever become eight or nine or tens at things we care about is because we believe we already have to be there before we ever earned getting there. Right. Yeah. And And that's the problem with thinking you're special. You need to be born perfect kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to be born perfect. You need to do everything perfectly. There's no room for mistakes. Yes. You know, because if you make a mistake, you're not special. Right. Right. Just more reasons why it's like, get rid of this whole need to be special. Yeah. Like it's just, it's such a, it's such a 
freaking fallacy. You know, like the freedom that you, that you begin to gain from letting go of the, of this need to be special is monumental because now there's nobody left to impress. There's only you Mm -hmm. and there's only you knowing what you can do. Right. And whether you gave what you could do. And then this whole thing of like, well, your scale and like, how good was it? One to 10 is meaningless. Cause it's like, if you're a six, fuck it. I'm giving it the biggest six anybody's ever seen. Like, <laughs> like nobody's going to see a six like this, yeah. you know, because you're just, you're, you're so not even aware of that, that thing. You just giving it what you have. Right. And then you've left room to grow, to learn, right. To not be too big or too good to take advice mm-hmm. or too, too big or too good to, to admit where that you made a mistake. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you just create space internally in your internal world. And that's everything. It's absolutely everything. The more freedom you create inside you, the more freedom you're going to create in your external world. It's not the opposite way. It's not the opposite way around. You don't try and create this thing out there when you haven't done it inside of you. Mm. Well, and you know, think about it like this too. And this is for our listening audience. What feels better to be a nine or to be a two, you know? Yeah. Like what feels better when you think about that, right? Just be honest with yourself. It feels way better to think you're a nine. It feels way better or an eight or whatever. You know, you're like, you're up there. You feel like, okay, I'm pretty good at this. I mean, it doesn't feel good to be a two, but like, here's the, here's the thing. Everybody's pretending to be a nine, but they're all twos. So when, when, when people are acting like they have it all together, just look at them and go, okay, they're just a two. So I'm just going to be honest about, uh, you know, maybe I'm a two as well. And like two gives you a lot of room for improvement. It gives you a big wide area. If you're a nine, I mean, what's your range of improvement? It's so small. Like it's so like incremental, but like if it's exciting to be a two, if you change your relationship to that, you go, you know what? It's so exciting that like, I'm only at the beginning of what's possible for me, that this is, this isn't even near what I'm capable of. And in fact, you know, I don't even, I don't even know what a nine is. Like I think I do, but like, I don't even know if I know what a three is or a four, you know? So like, you know, how do you even know when you've done that? Yeah. Like, you know, you just, again, you don't know. You can never know the answer to these things. The only thing it's completely not within your control of things. So it's like letting go of, of that control. Yeah. It's, it's so funny how this stuff comes like circles around itself, you know, special and control and authenticity and, and how all that stuff is, is related to each other. Right. Right. And, uh, yeah. I don't know if I had any place I was going to tell you. I'm just, I'm just saying it's interesting. It is interesting. I mean, I think the thing is, is like, you know, more of the story at this point is, you know, don't, don't worry about being special or not being special. Like the thing is, is yeah, you are, but it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter as far as what you need other people to think of you or what you, what you need to think of yourself. Like, take the pressure off, allow yourself to just be who you are 
and, and not need to be any more than that. And, and actually, if you commit to that, I think what you'll end up finding out is that you have something that's really cool that you haven't even realized if you've been walking around with this need to be special. And I think also like have faith that, you know, things that you want are slowly earned incrementally, as opposed to needing to start out of the gate, like knowing what you're doing. Yeah. One of the biggest things I find with writers, especially new writers, is that when they're writing their first script, and I've faced this one myself, but when they're writing their first scripts, they always have this, well, almost always have this thing about like it needing to be perfect when they write the first draft. Yeah. And I have to remind them constantly that like, no, 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 no. The first draft can be shit. The first draft can be a horrible mess. And like, I I always have to remind them, it's like, don't worry if it really, really, really sucks. And it's just atrocious. Just start again and rewrite it. Well, I can't do that. Well, why not? You want to be a screenwriter. If you, it's just paper, write it again. It's going to go way faster the second time. I promise you, like whatever you're going through this first time. And the thing is, is what I found too, is like, I mean, I wrote my last script in two days. My next goal is to write one in one day, but I've gotten to a point now where I'm like, well, I'll write in two days. If it doesn't work out. I mean, it was two days. So I'm not super attached to it. I can totally put that to the side and try again. Yeah. But the thing is, if I wrote it again, it would only take me one day the second time for yeah. sure. Because I already worked out most of the kinks the first time. You know what I mean? And the thing is, is that we forget that the whole world isn't watching everything that we do and nor do they care. <laughs> like, yeah. When you're in acting class, your class is watching, but none of the world cares. So you do that scene the first week, you know, if you're doing scene study and you fuck it up and then you do it again and you, you try some things, maybe you do a little better. Maybe it goes worse. You do it again. Then you go to the third week, you try it again, then fourth. And some of these acting classes, you know, you work on a, a scene for three months and you just keep trying it Yeah. and you'll keep trying things. Or even if you're changing the scenes every time you're, you're trying new things as an actor all the time. All of those are failures. All of those are mistakes. All of those are not getting it embrace that that's a part of this journey that, you know, you, you do it wrong so many times so that when you finally are required to do it, quote unquote, right, you've done it wrong so many times that you know what not to do. So you kind of succeed by default, (laughs) you know, but the belief that we have to succeed a hundred percent of the time is a total myth, a total, like it's totally not how things work. And think about it. If you have to succeed every time, that's probably the reason why you're not doing what you want to do. That's probably the reason why you're not doing your dream because basically you've set it up so that you can't fail. And so if you can't fail, then you don't even do it because it's like I said, the person who puts their hand up at the front of class and scared to get the answer wrong, you should be up there getting the answer wrong, getting the answer wrong, getting the answer wrong until you kind of get it right. And you start to figure out how this works and you And don't worry, there's not always a class behind you. Sometimes it's just you. And sometimes the world asks you of something that's just you in the room and you sit there silently the whole time as though the world is watching you. And they're not. And that's the thing I always have to remind screenwriters and I I suppose the same for musicians. You're writing in your own room. Nobody's watching you. Yeah. Like no, if you, if you write some shitty dialogue, nobody sees that but you. Like you don't, don't be a bully to yourself. Yeah. And it's because it's like, you think that, you know, that, that shitty writing means that you're a shitty writer. And it's like, it, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. I was listening to this, um, 
you and I, we both are big fans of Alan Watts. And he was talking with this whole notion of, um, of thinking and the thinker. Hmm. It's actually like the illusion, it's an illusion that there's a thinker because even, even thinking that there's a thinker is just a thought. <laughs> and <you> can, <laughs> just to go kind of get down into the crazy corner right here. <laughs> Let's do it. Right. Like, it's just like, you, you compared it to like, you know, it's like in a song, it's got a, it's, it's got a drum beat and it's like, da 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 boom, da 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 boom. You know, like that. It's like the da 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 That's just you thinking, you know, you're thinking thoughts. They're just, they're just coming and going. And then the dunk is like, is, is you being like, Oh, like I'm thinking this. It's like, but the thing is, it's like, no, it's still part of the beat. Hmm. It's not separate from the beat. It's still the thought. So the problem is that what he's saying and, and what he was trying to convey in this is, and in terms of referencing to what meditation is about is to create a sense of not being attached to the thought and identifying yourself with the thought and just being like, it's just a thought. Right. So the idea that it's like, oh, well, I wrote this shitty piece of dialogue. I'm a shitty writer. It's like, no, you're not a shitty writer. You know, you had a thought the dialogue is shitty. And then you went and then you thought I'm a shitty writer. Hmm. That's not necessarily the reality of it. Right. It's just a night. It's just a thought which you can either choose to accept or to move on. Hmm. past, right? You can just say, it's like, oh, okay. I just thought that. All right. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to pay any attention to that or not dwell on it because it's just a thought. And because it's, there's no real basis of reality for it. I guarantee that every single acclaimed writer, artist, whatever, they've done some really shitty stuff. Hmm. Guaranteed guaranteed Meryl Streep's done some really shitty work. Guaranteed Christopher Nolan's done some shitty work. Guaranteed that like, uh, I don't know. Who do you want to, who do you want to just pick who, who, any of your favorite artists (laughs) and anything, they've done some shitty work. Yeah. They definitely have. They've done lots of it. And if they're still living, they continue to do some shitty work from time to time. Well, you know, it's also Michael Jordan has this thing where he shares about how many game winning shots he missed, how many, how, how many shots he missed when it mattered and all of this stuff. And, you know, the moral of the story is people don't really remember the shots you miss. They remember the shots you make. Yeah. You remember the shots you miss, but the pe- people don't really remember the shots you miss, you know, and I'm sure someone can think of like, oh, I remember when this person missed the shot, but it's like, that's not really what we celebrate. That's not what we focus <laughs> yeah. on. You know what I mean? And like, um, that also might just be a projection of how you're doing your own life, you know, and how you notice things. Cause if you, you know, it's that whole seek and you shall find, if you look for problems, you will find problems. If you look for solutions, you'll find solutions. If you look for options, you'll find options and so forth. So like, you know, writing a shitty piece of dialogue is like taking a shot at a basketball hoop and you want to be this basketball player, you got to, you're going to have to take some shots that are going to miss. And you know, the, the way I look at it is like, when you begin, if you write like one out of every 10 lines is like kind of a decent, like believable, authentic line, you're doing probably pretty good in the beginning. Right. And the thing is, is that 
you know, you're going to look back and I go, okay, well, most of this is shit, but was there anything good in it? It's like, okay, well, this was good. It's like, maybe I can work with that. And then so forth and so on. And the thing is, is, you know, sometimes you think you have something good and it's not at all. And sometimes you think you have something shit and it's really great. And so, you know, the only way you kind of start to figure that out is you remove your ego and your pride from it and you try stuff, you know, you, you dabble and, and you play. It's more of a feeling. Yeah. You start to work from more of a feeling. How does it feel? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's when you start getting into, into what I feel is like, you know, that's the zone that you want to be in. This is where like, you can go back and it's like, Oh, but that felt right. That feels good. That feels honest. Right. It's like you take the, you take the thought out of, out of the equation and you just go by a more intuitive sense of things. Mm is when I find that I'm, I'm more in the right place. You know, it's like, if I, like when I'm writing stuff and like, right, like whether scripts and more recently with like, with songs, I'll look at a line after I've written it and I'll go, it's like, do I, do I connect to that? And it's like, it's like, no, Hmm. like that doesn't quite connect with me. Yeah. Right. There's something kind of false about it. And so then I'll rework it. I'll find an, I'll, I'll find some, some other way, but there's other stuff and I'll just be like, Oh yeah, that's still like, that hits me in the feels. Mm. Right. It's really what it's about. You know, it's like, cause even though like writing, yes, it, writing is absolutely an expression of ideas and of thoughts, but even ideas and thoughts have, they have a, a something behind them. Mm. They have a quality behind them that is either, that is either false or it's true. Mm. Or sometimes it's a blend of both, (laughs) right? Careful. The ones that are a blend of both, (laughs) that can be very clever, but, uh, it's, yeah, you have to start working from more of a place of, of feeling. And I think with this whole thing in being special is that you kind of move through this in a way that like, you know, I, cause I think that try this pursuit of being special, uh, especially, uh, when you're in an art form, it's, it can give you a sense of drive. I know it for a time in my life, it did. It gave me a sense of drive and, a, and it gave me a kind of a work ethic where I was just like, I need to work harder than in harder and harder and harder than these people or do more of this or, or try this just you know, like to be special, even though I wasn't consciously thinking to be special, just, but it was just like, so I can be amazing. <laughs> right. Amazing was just like my own sort of language for, so I can be special. Right. Right. So I can walk in there and everybody will just be, Oh yes. Yes. Look at him. <laughs> so majestic in his ability. And it's just like, and Majestic. Nice word. Yeah. (laughs) So majestic. The light shines upon his skin, radiant as the sun. Um, But the thing, like, it can give you a kind of a drive, but it's one of those things that, again, it has a limitation. And if you want to have longevity as an artist, you need to eventually move through it. Mm. And you, you need to get, get past that, get over it. And and unearth something 
a little bit deeper burning inside and be like, Oh, okay, hold on. Because for one, it's just too hard. Hmm. It gets to a point where it's like trying to be special becomes such an exhausting game to play. Um, I mean, as actors, I mean, it's just like, man, like when you deal with so much rejection as it is, um, you can, when you, you're able to start dropping some of this, this stuff that you've been carrying around with you and stop making it about being special or having to be the best and instead making it about the work again Mm. and making it about why you love doing what you do. And instead of being like, how can I do this to make myself special? You can then, you know, you can look at the page, you can look at this, this script and be like, how is this like, how's this hitting me? How do I connect with this? You know, like, is this connecting with me? Like, and, and it's really about building that, Hmm. building a real authentic, genuine, honest connection to what you're doing and letting that be the thing that speaks because that thing is far more powerful and far more special than you could ever contrive Mm. on your own. So let's, um, let's kind of talk about how this is, uh, you know, why letting go of this need liberates you. Cause I think, I think we've, we've clarified at least enough of like why pretending you're special or, you know, acting like you're more than you are or whatever, like why that's a a down, like why that's not going to actually help you. And I think we've kind of, you know, articulated that pretty well for the most part, but like, uh, you know, what is this, what is this thing? Why, why is it? And, uh, you know, we can both kind of answer this, I guess as we go, but why is it that the need to be special traps you? Like, why is it that letting go of this need liberates you? And how does that actually work? Right. And I, I think what you're saying. Yeah. I think that the thing is, is like, you know, we want, we want freedom. We want to have a kind of ease, you know, like why have the, why, why have all this shit be so hard to do? Right. And, and I would argue that most of the stuff that we, that we find so hard to do is because it needs to be more than it is. And if it was enough for it to be what it is, if it could just be what it is and that was okay, we would actually find out that a lot of the stuff that we make so hard is actually so easy to do. And, and by allowing it to be what it is, you'll get better because you'll begin by actually doing it. Because right now I would, I would bet big money that most people are not even fucking doing the thing. Mm. You know how many people I talk to who talk about writing scripts? You're, you're talking about it. You're not writing it until you put words on the paper. You are not doing it. Yeah. You know, until you actually write that song or play that music until you do the thing, until you get up on stage and you say the lines until you, until you get a canvas in front of you and you put some fucking paint on it, you are not doing it. So the, the, the need to be special literally, literally fucking kills our dreams because it makes you not do the thing. Because the reason why is because if you do the thing, you set it up where it has to be, I have to be prepared. I have to be ready. Everything has to be good. I have to do it at the best quality with the best thing. And everybody has to like it. And if they don't, it wasn't even worth time. And it's like, 
how Man. how misguided that is yeah. and how much of a dream killer that is. It's like, you know, with every it's, it's, as you were saying all of those things, I was just picturing like a bunch of like heavy like bags just like piling up on top of like, you know, on top of your back. It was just like it's like gotta be it's gotta he's like people gotta like it. It's gotta be good. And if it doesn't like it, it's just like boom, boom. Contingencies. Boom. You're man. just like you're just piling and piling all of this shit on top of you. And that's this whole special thing. It's like it's like it the letting go of the need to be special is like dropping all of that baggage. Yeah. You're letting go of all the baggage. And to me I like to say it creates space, it creates freedom. Because it's a, it's a mentality shift in your work is really the big thing, which is huge. It's a perception shift, but what it frees you up to do is that it changes the way that you're doing your work. It's changing the way that you're approaching your work. What now happens is you now have to get interested in what you're doing. Instead of trying to in, be interesting. And start, instead of trying to be interesting, you now have to, and it might sound like a, like a kind of a scary thing, but this is, this is actually the gold. This is the juice. This is what the greats have actually figured out and the academics try and explain, but they end up doing a really shitty job of it. Hmm. <laughs> they end up saying, it's like, oh, well, you've got to be bold. You've got to make strong choices and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, okay, I got to be bold and strong choices. And now you're going to, now you're right back in that special boat, right? Like you're just, you're making these choices because you think this will make me special if I make bold choices. And now it, now it's inauthentic again, right? Because you're doing it for the sake of, of making a bold choice as opposed to, well, these actors made bold choices because that was, that was what was truth to them as they were getting ready, as they were preparing their work. It wasn't because they were trying to be special. It was because they were doing their work. It was because they were interested in their work. They were looking, they, they had, they were looking at that script or that part, or they were, um, they, they had found this, this melody and they, had, they followed it as truthfully and as authentically as they could muster it without a sense of, is this going to be good? Is this going to be bad? it was just being interested. And it's, there's a kind of a faith that, that is required to do this. There is a faith. I know there's like, it's been for like in, in the acting community, they call it actors faith. Hmm. There's, um, and I'm sure there's, you know, it's kind of something that goes through other things too. It's if you work honestly, you have faith that it's going to work out one way or the other. It's not your job to decide whether it's good or bad. Mm -hmm. But when you, when you release those attachments to it, you can just focus on doing it. You can just focus on doing it. It's, I don't know. It's a hard thing to explain. Like, you know, as you said, what, like, how is this such a, a big deal? Why is this such a big deal? to let go of this need to be special. What is the actual, what will it actually do for you? Because in many ways I understand there's, there's, this is kind of an odd conversation because you could be listening to this. It's like, Oh, this is how I'm going to be, make myself special is I'm going to not care. 
right? And it's like, no, it's not about not, not necessarily not caring. That might be an oversimplification of what we're saying. It's really getting connected to yourself and what you do and really getting interested authentically in what you do. And it might be something that's really unfamiliar, which is why I think a lot of people kind of skirt around it or Mm. never really go fully into it because you just want to have a scientific way to do it, right? You just want to be able to say, it's like, all right, no, this is how you do it. That that I'm just going to do this. I'm going to execute this and it's going to come out amazing. It's not how art works. It's not how it works. Art is messy. At least it can be. Yeah. You know, it can be clean too, but get ready for some mess. Yeah. Because it's supposed to be a little bit messy on its way. And that's part of the beauty of it. You know, you, you, you work it, you mold it, you shape it, you follow it. You like, it takes you, it takes you on a ride and you go on the ride with it. Right. And that's kind of a a freaky prospect for us. It's just like, well, I don't, I, I want to get, you want to guarantee a result. You want something guaranteed. It's like, there is no guarantee. Let it go. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee. Are you still going to do it? Because if you do, it's amazing. If you still choose to do it after, like after accepting that there's no guarantee of what's going to happen. It's part of what makes it so incredible. Yes. Because there's no guarantee. And I mean, you know, if you look at a lot of musicians, not every single song is always a hit and not everybody loves every song that every musician that is super successful does either. Yeah. And some people really don't like certain musicians and some people don't like certain actors and filmmakers and so on. And so, you know, and there can be a whole number of reasons for that. Yeah. Good and not so good reasons. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is when you stop worrying so much about who you need to be and what you need to, you know, how you need to do things, you, you become liberated because it's just, you, you know, you have a, a room to play. You don't have to get it right anymore. I'll give you a, a good little analogy, I think, uh, about how, how this kind of works. I blindfold you and I say, okay, we're going on a drive. And then we get out of the car and I say, we're going on a walk and we drive for an hour and then we walk for an hour. And then I say, listen, I'm going to leave. And I'm, I want you to, I set an alarm and I say, do not take the blindfold off until an hour from now. And you feel this heat and you feel this wind and you, you're, you're trying to get a sense of your environment, right? But you're blind. You can't see. And you don't know where you are and you're kind of like feeling under, under your feet and stuff and you feel sand and you feel, you know, heat. And then as the hour passes, it gets a little bit colder and you're out there and then the alarm goes off and you go, okay. And you take off your blindfold and you look up and the first thing you see is all these stars in the sky just like stars everywhere. And it's a clear, but it's starting to get dark. And then you look around and all you see are sand dunes. You see sand dunes to the right, sand dunes ahead of you, sand dunes to the left, behind you. You, you, the wind has been blowing and all the tracks and everything are all gone and you're just there. And you don't know where you are. You're in the middle of a desert and it's starting to become nighttime and you're there and you don't know. And so what is the right decision now? Well, most people in, in a sense, the, the, the way that they deal with it is they go, 
this is how we deal with, with getting ourselves to where we want to go. We sit there and do nothing until we get some kind of better answer. Maybe I'll get a sign. Maybe this is the right way. Maybe, you know, maybe I'll look for something, you know? And the thing is, is that you can take a moment to kind of gather yourself and get, get your bearings. But at the end of the day, you got to walk in a one direction. And you know what? You might walk over one dune and then you look and you get a better view and you go, Oh, you know what? Eh, I don't really like that way. And then you look over and you see maybe a different direction. You go, I'm going to walk over here. And you, you, you kind of check around your environment a little bit and you start to go, okay. And you probably walked the wrong way a bunch of times until you kind of went, okay, well, or you just committed and you went this way for a little ways. And then what ends up happening is you go down this, this road. I mean, you're stuck in the desert anyway. So you might as well go walk down the road. And pretty soon, if you were to do this exercise, which I don't necessarily recommend, but do it metaphorically. If you walk through the desert long enough and you did this, you'd start to either decide you're lost or you decide that there, there is the way that you're going is, is the way that you're going. And the thing is, is that here's, here's, here's what it ultimately comes down to. We're all lost in the middle of a desert and there is peaks and valleys and ups and downs, and there's environment to deal with. At the end of the day, if you don't move, you will die in the middle of the desert. And you might walk down a path that will lead you to the same place you're in and you'll die over there. And you might find that there's an oasis. And along the way, you might find some other things that might help you go along the way. But if you don't move, if you stay stuck and you try to wait for the right answer, you will die where you are in the desert. And you have to ask yourself this simple question. Do I want to die where I am today? So if you don't, it's pretty simple. Start fucking walking and don't worry if you get it wrong. Don't worry if you don't do it right. But use the walk as a way to find out a little bit more and trust that the thing is, is that there is like the, like when I think of myself as like a, a writing consultant, it's not for me to show you the way it's for me to encourage you to walk in the direction that you felt was necessary for me to give you the, the inspiration, the courage, the willingness to go out and get it wrong so that you can realize that there was no wrong, that in many ways, the only way to get it right was to do it wrong so that you could see where it was right. And, and the, the only way to find out you're going the wrong way is to, is to get up on a higher place. And that unfortunately, and fortunately requires that you do it wrong at first, a lot of the time. And if you get it right, and this is one last thing I want to say, if you get it right and perfect on the first go, you just happen to be going the right way and you realize, whoa, don't start to make that into a story about how you're special. Understand that there was a randomness to that, that there was a, you know, there was a kind of a good fortune Yeah. and it saved you some time. But the thing is, is people who have that natural start where they start off really well, don't always finish really well. Sometimes it's the people who start off really poorly that finish way better and and accomplish way more than the people who had that natural, easy start. So, you know, naturalism, that that, uh, kind of ability to get it right off the bat, often lets you down later down the road. Yeah. You know, picking a direction and and walking it. Mm -hmm. Like, like, just begin. Yeah. That's one of the the biggest things that, for me, I've, I've learned is that, you know, when you're staring at some, something you're going to, you want to do, 
just begin. Like you just got to begin at some point. You've just got to, you might not know if it's the right way, if it's the best direction or not. Um, but there comes a time when you just have to, you just have to start, just start heading out there. Because the other thing is that nobody can tell you, especially in art, nobody can tell you what to do. Nobody can tell you how to do it because this is something you've embarked upon. You've got to do, even if it's, you know, you're an actor and and you're doing a, a part that's been done thousands of times throughout the course of history. doesn't matter. Nobody can tell you how to do that part. Nobody can tell you how to do it. You've got to tell your, you've, you've got to know how to do it. How will you, how are you going to do this in an authentic way? How do you connect to this part? Mm-hmm. Nobody can tell you how you connect to that part. Only you can. So you have to walk. You just have to start going. Yeah. The other thing too, is like for those people who are pursuing, say like stardom or like rock stardom, or they Mm -hmm. want to be some kind of authority or something like that. Understand that if you do want to pursue that and I, and I, and in, in certain ways I say do pursue it, but not for the reasons that we're taught to pursue it, pursue it because by, because the, the, the venture of going out, essentially what you're saying, if you want to be a rock star, you want to be famous, you want to do what you're saying is you want to be a leader. And if you want to be a leader, what you do is you lead by example and you become the authority, but for yourself and, and, and don't, I would never tell anybody, follow me. I know the way I don't know the way, you know, but I'd say, come with me. If you like, this is where I'm going. This is what I, this is what I'm thinking you know, and if someone comes along and they come up with a better idea or something that makes more sense to me, I'm willing to go, okay, let's go in that direction. I, I, I think I'm on it with you. And if at any point along the way, we're going down this direction and I don't agree with the path and you want to continue on it, but I don't, then I, we must part ways because I'm authority enough to know my own path because I don't know my own path, but not because I know my own path. Like, because I don't know my own path, I don't know. It's not all mapped out for me. As I go along, I will find the way and I will make decisions. And sometimes I will make the wrong decision. And sometimes I will make the right decision or the best decision or the worst decision or, you know, or anything in between. But the thing is, is that one thing that I can say for sure is that if you want to do art, well, you have to be the authority of your art. there is nobody out there who can give you the answer. Nobody who knows, nobody can tell you the way. And, and the moment anybody does, you should run from them. You should run away from them and get away from them because they are misleading you. They are a false prophet. Nobody knows. And the thing is, is we don't have the answers. And what's great about this life is that you, you, you get to have this life and you get to find it as you live it. It's, 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 it's amazing. If right now you knew the way and you knew every little, little bit of the path, it, it might feel safe and secure, but, but you will lose yourself in following some authority. The thing is, is that, you know, it's, it takes courage. It takes courage to go and walk and do this. And the thing is, is if you start getting on a path, where you go, you know, I really believe in this past and I'm really doing it. Don't ask others to follow you, but watch others will. Because if you believe in something, what ends up happening is 
people go, okay, well, you have enough wisdom. You've walked the path enough on your own. And I see that in you. So I'm going to go your way too, because, you know, you've probably walked through the desert a little ways. And so you've walked through it a little ways and you've seen some shit that I haven't seen. So, so the fact that you're a little bit more of an experienced journeyer, I'm going to go with you because, you know, you're a good asset. You know, you're, you're, you're like, so hang around with someone who's already made films. You know what I mean? Hang around with someone who's already written scripts. Don't hang around and, and listen to somebody who's only talked about reading scripts. You know, if you want to be a writer, hang, hang, if you want to be a musician, hang around musicians, hang around people that did it from the ground up. Don't hang around people who talk about it. You know, and this is my big thing about education and teachers and stuff like that. By all means, teach. By all means, share your wisdoms. But don't ever act like you know. And don't ever teach from a book and pretend you know. Because mm-hmm. that is the ultimate, the ultimate attack on somebody, in my opinion. You know, go and do it. Like, I can say, look, I made the first project I made. Well, one of the big projects I made that actually led me to raising money was uh, about an $1,800, $2,000, you know, maybe even $2,300. is right around there. A uh, little short I did. Well, I, I can tell you what I did. And I can say, well, look, I made this, I made this thing. We shot it in basically one day, two days, technically. And, uh, you know, this is how much I spent. This is how I put it together. This is what I did. And after I did that, you know, it wasn't the greatest project in the world, but what it did was it gave me leverage to get into the room to be able to raise money over here. And so if you want to raise money, this is how I did it. And you can, you know, you can model that path, you know, and, and, what I found was that the initial project I did didn't have to be perfect. What I found that what it needed was it needed to demonstrate a little bit about what I was trying to do so that people would have the faith to put money into me. And so when I explain it like that and I explain it through my own journey, not like I know, but like, this is what I lived. This is the journey I've experienced so far. People can go, I can get behind that. I could do that too. But if I say, no, this is what you do. You make a short film, you do this. This is how it's done. It's always been done this way and blah, blah. I mean, I don't know that. I just yeah. did it one way. There's probably a bunch of other ways to do it. This way, this way got me to a certain goal that I wanted. And if you think about it, it makes sense. But I kind of had to stumble along and find my way there. And now the thing is, is when you start hanging out with mentors, and this is the, the reason why I recommend mentors, people who have already done it, they'll just save you time and effort because they'll go, well, try this, you know, and, and, and this is something that worked for me. And if they're a good mentor, they usually teach by experience, not by knowing They'll say like, you know, this is what I'm seeing, or this is what I'm experiencing, or this is what happened for me. And, you know, understand that also, even with the best mentor, you can never model their path 100% because they usually did it at a different time in a different social, economic dynamic. You know, there's different things that are at play, Yeah. but there's still things in their wisdoms that still kind of, they're like principles. They kind of hold true over time. And the mentors don't always know in my experience, just like, I don't always know what is the thing that really is this is the solid. And what's the thing that's kind of just happenstance or, you know, uh, subjective. Yeah. But the, the point is to say like, you know, he, I, I want to see you succeed. Like a real mentor wants to see you succeed. And so they'll give you the best thing they can, but don't look at them as the authority. Understand that once you get the advice, now you're on the authority again. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what I'm saying. Like the the liberation comes when you don't, you're not dependent on anybody else anymore to decide whether you're doing it right or if it's good or not. Yeah. You become, yeah, you become the authority only when you accept that only, you know, it's good enough for you. Yes. 
And the thing is, is that, you know, be willing. I, I'd say, you know, it takes courage to write a piece of shit. So if you want to be a screenwriter, best advice I could possibly give a screenwriter is go out and write a piece of shit. Just write the worst thing you can write. Get that out of the way. Clear that out. Because you know what? You might actually find out it's good. And the thing is, is just, just start walking the desert. And if you're like, I'm certain this is the wrong way. <laughs> just try it. You know, who knows? Try it. Venture out a little bit. I mean, here's the thing. You either stand still or you move. And you know what? You can move in any direction you want. Yeah. But pick a direction and start going. And you know what? If you want to turn back, turn back. Yeah. You can abandon that track at any time and, and go another way. And the thing is, is that you're not actually in a desert. Right. You're at, you're not actually going, this is not actually life or death in a metaphorical sense. Yes. You know, on a grand scale, it, it kind of is, you know, in an eternal sense, yes, it is kind of life and death for you to make a decision, but you're not, you're not going to die from pursuing some sort of an artistic endeavor. Probably if whatever your artistic endeavor you're heading into is going to put your life in jeopardy, you know, put some thought into that, <laughs> what it is that you're doing. But you can always get like, you can always turn, you can always change direction. You're going to be okay. You're not actually going to die out in some desert somewhere by pursuing this. And you don't, you know, the other thing too, is that if you go the wrong way, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to go back either. Like you can simply correct course. Like once you kind of like, cause I think there's also the artist that's like, Oh, I've wasted so much time. I, you know, I should have done this earlier. There's all that. It's like, it doesn't matter. Like you've been walking along, you've been doing what you're doing or been sitting on your ass doing nothing regardless. There's no time like the present start now start moving because you know, there's lots of people that started out moving and then got comfortable and sat their butt down and they're settling for wherever they are. Cause like, here's the other thing. I think we're all in this metaphor too. We're all looking for the oasis or the way back home yeah. or whatever it is we feel we need to get to. The problem is, is like, once you get to where you think it is, you need to get to in many ways, there's, that's where the journey ends because if you get there too soon, I mean, you peak and then you don't want to leave because you go, well, what if I leave the oasis and then I never find another one? Well, here's the good news. If you find an oasis along your journey, you find something that works for you, something that's really wonderful. You can always kind of go back to it or try to get back to it if you really wanted to. But I dare say that if you leave the oasis and you venture off, you may find better things and you may realize that going back to the oasis that you were once at and thought was so wonderful is something you never really want to do again, because it was just a chapter in the whole story of you. And yeah. as you get become, you know, more and more trusting and faith in your own decisions, you begin to realize that like, there are so many other wonderful things to discover than what you've already experienced. But you don't know that until you start moving. Because if you think about it, like, the most scared person at this analogy is the person who either didn't move or the person who moved a little and then stopped. The person who's going to have the courage is the one who keeps pushing and going and trying and venturing out until they, you know, and, and 
And it's not even, it becomes not so much about getting to someplace because I think that's how it starts initially is like, I'm going to go do this thing so I can get somewhere. But eventually, if you do this long enough, I think what ends up happening is you, you realize that you're doing it because you actually enjoy doing it. And that you, even if you knew the way home, you might not go there because you realize you love being out in the world so much that home, which is originally where you felt you needed to go, is not where you want to go anymore. That you want to recreate home. You want to build it somewhere else. And the other thing too, is if you venture and you travel and you journey, the other thing is you'll collect people. You know, there's other Mm. people out there wandering the desert and you'll find each other, you know? Yeah. And sometimes they'll find you, but if they want to keep moving and you don't, they probably won't hang around. So if you, you can find people to wander together with, you know, I think about this podcast. I mean, what are we doing? We're wandering together. I don't know if this podcast will last forever. I don't know what's going to happen, but for the time being, we, we, we reconnected, we found this, we said, Hey, let's do a podcast. And we tend to do 140 plus and we still going. I mean, basically what's happened. We've been wandering and we, we aligned and we said, well, let's walk this path together. And this is just one area of our life. And we don't know what the hell we're doing. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I was doing when we started this podcast. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. That's the, how it works. It's the beauty of the wander. <laughs> What's wrong with a good wander? Right. Everyone's always in a big rush to get somewhere. Yeah. If we were, if we, you know, we, we did try to do the best we could to set this podcast up, but you know, and I'm sure we made many mistakes, but at the end of the day, you just got to start. Cause if you don't start, You'll never get done. And that's just, uh, you know, and, and that's you, a shame. And you're missing out on the experiences that you want to have. Right. In the meantime. Like this beer we're having. Like, oh, <laughs> what a segue. <laughs> so uh, it's a dark, it's a dark beer. Um, yeah. Continue. It's a tasty, it's pretty tasty. Um, it's interesting. It's kind of, uh, I don't know. I, it's not really, it's kind of got a little bit of a hop to it in a, in a way, but like, um, a little bit of a bitterness to it. It's good. I mean, I'm, I, I like it. It's, uh, I would say that it's, um, one and a half thumbs up. So it's like, it's, I really like it. It's, um, it's good and it's, uh, it's tasty beer. It's not my absolute favorite, but I like it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's yeah. kind of the feel I'm getting for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of, uh, in a similar boat as you. Yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's like, it's pretty easy to drink. Um, there's yeah, kind of a hop to it. Um, it's kind of got a bit of a richness to it as well. Yeah. It's got definitely got that ale quality. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's good. It's not my absolute favorite, but you know, going down just fine. It's beer and I like it. Yep. I drink it again. I'll drink some more of it. Well, yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> we've got some more of it here. That's nice. So this, I'll just hand it over to sure. you now here. This is the happy camper summer organic summer ale. This uh, is from Nelson brewing company. Okay. Who, uh, we have not had their stuff on the show. So they're a little ways away from here. They got a saying, it says, here's to grilling, chilling and adventurous living. Yeah. <laughs> And it's got like, uh, the, the logo, it's got like the, uh, the hippie van on it. The VW van. Yeah. yeah that's which nice. is, I've heard, I've heard that Nelson, British Columbia has got lots of hippies. Oh, does it? Yeah. 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 I hear it's beautiful. I need to get up there at some point in time. I've been meaning to go there too. 
Um, that's one of those summer adventures I've been meaning to do. There's this really um, cool uh, trail, this road trip trail that you can do around BC. And I think it leads you over to Nelson eventually when you come around. Or you can start and you can go, depends if you want to go north first or if you want to go uh, east. Right. But eventually you go and you... Well, there's not really much else you can do in BC if you're in Vancouver. Right. Yeah. You can basically do the trail, when it, but it's a circle. It's a big a lap. Yeah. Right? And so you end up going through, uh, you know, you, you go through the Okanagan and all of that. And then eventually you get up north and if you go east and then eventually, you know, you get pretty close to Alberta and then you come kind of back around and go through Nelson, come down the whole coast side. Right. Um, but apparently it's a great road trip adventure and there's lots of like wonderful things to see if you do it. Um, so that was something that I'm like, Oh, I'm going to put that on the list of things to, to do. I want to do it right now as yeah. you're talking about it. I'm just like, that sounds amazing. In a VW van with lots of beer. Yeah. That's kind of on the highway for yeah, you. So. Totally. Get a craft brew every time we go somewhere. Yeah. Um, this is, this has been a good, another good chat, man. Um, you know, I think, uh, this whole thing about being special, you know, this is, uh, it's an interesting thing to me because what I've found is that as I get, you know, as I kind of am able to separate myself from my need to be special, I do experience this liberation. And, and, you know, um, I, I feel for me, it's a bit of a work in progress. I wouldn't necessarily say that, you know, I, yeah, you know, there's times where I get caught up in feeling like I need to be special. Like, it's not like a, I'm just all through it. Like, um, you know, and I think, man, wouldn't it be great if I was just, you know, special, just, I had this wonderful, magnificent ability and then everybody would love me and I'd have what I want. And like, there's this kind of fantasy that's still kind of there a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, I think what's happening now is, you know, as I go along on this journey is I'm beginning to need that less and be willing to kind of build it more and realize that maybe, so maybe I'm not special and maybe I don't need to be, but maybe there's something in me that I haven't realized that is really all I ever wanted and needed already. And that I can earn kind of bringing it out of myself. You know, like, I mean, I went off and wrote this feature, Love Lost, right? And I mean, I get paid to write scripts, get paid to do a bunch of other stuff. So like in some ways to go off and write a script to not be paid for it, um, you know, it's kind of like, well, why would I work for free in some ways? Right. But I, but I wanted to go off and do that. And when I went off and I did this, this script, what I actually found out was I found out that there was a story in me that, and many, many more stories beyond this, but I found that there was a story and many stories in me that are dying to be told. And that when I write because I enjoy writing, because I want to write, because I just want to, you know, tell these stories, what ends up happening is I actually found through this experience that, um, I kind of discovered that I was like a pretty good writer, you know, like (laughs) it's kind of weird to say that because, you know, to be paid like thousands of dollars to write other scripts, but like, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like, I started to realize that I liked my writing and that I, that I had a lot of great writing that was yet to be done. And that it's not so much that I was, um, 
able to do it or not able to do it. It was that really, I just needed to start writing it. And so I needed to start writing scripts and telling stories that matter to me and not worry so much about if they'll work, if people will like them. I mean, the biggest thing, and, and this kind of came up with a certain kind of group of people that I'm associated with right now is like, well, this, this film is not really going to make money. And that, you know, that's kind of when you're a screenwriter and you're hired screenwriter, you don't really, you know, you write stuff that would make money or sell or get produced or whatever. Right. So this is one of those things where it's like, well, it's not really, um, it's not really necessarily a project where that was the main focus. The main focus was tell a really great story. Well, for me that I thought was great, that mattered to me. And when I took away all the contingencies and I took away all the things that it needed to be, I did. I felt liberated. I felt free. And that's why I wrote the script in two days. It just poured out of me. And I realized I'm like, wow, like if I was liberated in all my writing, I mean, what I could do as a writer could be incredible. And I would say that I haven't been over the last few years as liberated as a writer as I would have liked to have been. And what this did was it, it showed me how liberated I can be. And it kind of gave me a little bit of a, I don't know, kind of a marker, like a milestone in life where I went, this is what it's like to be liberated. Like I, it was like when I was, you know, 18 years old and I was writing scripts and I didn't know what I was doing. I was very liberated because I didn't have any rules really. And I was kind of like, well, I'll just write this because I want to write this story. And in certain ways, you know, I would write, I look back at some of that old writing and I'm like, oh, this is pretty good writing. But it's also because it wasn't there to be great. It wasn't there to necessarily get made or be there to like impress anybody. It was simply like, I'm going to try writing. Yeah. And then later, you know, as I started to write more for other people, and especially when I started writing for hire, it actually like my, I'd say my writing kind of regressed a little bit. Like it actually kind of, it was, I mean, I was a better writer, but my experience of it was much more kind of, it was much more challenging. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah I think that's, that's, you know, we say like the experience was much more challenging. So I see that that the experience didn't, wasn't valuable mm-hmm. in many ways. But, you know, I think this whole thing with, you know, when you're trying to be special, it's like, you're really trying to please some imaginary other people that are out there. And the more you try and do that, the further and further and further and further away you get from your own authentic voice you know, like you wrote this, this lay script, it was, you know, I've read it and it's easily the most personal, emotional, human story I have, I have read of yours easily. And that's huge. Like it, it's so huge. And the thing is like, you have to step out into that ground and say like, I'm just going to do this because I, I, I want to do this for nobody else other than me. It can, even if you just do it for a freaking experiment, it's a valuable experiment to do because it's going to show you something. It's going to teach you something, which I know this has for you. I know it, it has, uh, it has given you perspective. Um, not only in terms of what you can do as a writer, but also to give you, uh, sort of a, a reference to what, what else you've done before to the level of connection to your work, 
that you can bring going forward now, right? Mm. It's, but if you never step out there, if you never let go of this idea, like I need to be special, I need this to be liked, I need this to be right, I need blah, 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 blah. Until you've let go of all that baggage and you've thrown yourself out there without it and just be like, and say like, let's put out there, what do I think? What do I feel? What do I want to do? What do I have to say really? And really get in touch with that voice that you have. Because that's the thing that is actually special. That is the thing that is actually special. But we just, we never think it's special. Hmm. We think it's, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, I, I, I know I said this before, but you know, we say it's not enough, that we're not enough, that that can't possibly be good enough. It's got to be this and that and this and that and blah, 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 blah. The world's got enough of this and that. The world's got enough bullshit going on in it. There's enough falseness. There's enough falsehoods out there. And art is not where it's supposed to be. Art is where we're supposed to put our shit out there supposed to hang it all out for everyone to see, not just our shit, but all of our shit, you know, putting out there, even, even how, how false people are, how the, the bullshit that people put on that's, that can become part of the art, you know, like it's, it's all up for grabs, but it's like, it, you've got to, you've got to stray out there. You got to dive into it and you've got to be just the, you know, it's, there's an expression I learned from one of my acting teachers and, and I posted up, um, when I teach as well, cause I loved it. It's like to be the truthful expression of everything as it happens, nothing more and nothing less because the truth is perfect. Honesty is perfect there. When you do honesty, don't do anything to take away from it and don't try to add to it because it's perfect. Just be, just do. And it might feel like you're not doing enough. That's all right. (laughs) It shouldn't, in some ways, when you're working in your best space, it feels kind of effortless. Yes. I think that's the real, that's the real kind of climatic moment of this podcast episode is that liberation is effortless. When you're liberated, your art becomes so free and effortless. And like, I think the thing is, is like when we're actually liberated and we're doing it and we're really being honest and truthful, it's like, it's so easy. It's kind of like, well, if it was that easy, it can't be good. Can it? It's like, well, maybe it can. Like, you know, that script that I wrote there, took me two days. It didn't even take me two. It took me two half days. It came out so easily and effortlessly. It was just like, and it was like there. And what's really incredible is like, you know, the response and the reviews and, and, and all of these wonderful things that have come out of this little project already. And it's like, yeah, like what I think what I realized with that script was how effortless it can be. And that was extremely liberating and extremely exciting. And I think that, um, you know, and I think that the thing is, is that it's not 
even that other people liked the script. That, that isn't even really what matters. What matters is that I loved writing the script and I love that I actually followed through and told this story and, and I put it down. And regardless of anything happens with it, but I still intend something will, but regardless of anything was to happen with it, it, it was, it was a great experience and an expression. And the thing is, is that I think this is the thing. I think what we're, what we're talking about here is that when you don't need it to be anything, and when you don't need to be anything more than what it is, you get liberated, you get, you get that effortlessness. But when it needs to be more than what it is, when it needs to be something else, when you need to be more than what you are or need to be something else, life becomes extremely difficult and hard. And so if life is hard right now, I guess my call to action to everybody is take away the contingencies. You know, if, if you can't write your script, don't need it to be so good. What's the thing that's stopping you? It's probably stopping you because you think it needs to be a certain way. Just take away the contingency. Watch how easy it is all of a sudden. You know, if acting is difficult, if auditions are difficult, you know, take away the contingency and don't worry so much about what everyone else thinks, you know, like, you know, and if you, if you don't want to make mistakes publicly yet, and you're not, you don't have that confidence or that courage to go do that, go make some privately. But get some mistakes out of the way. Get some, some errors out of the way. Try some things, you know, wrong or whatever. Um, you know, and I guess the thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to take away from this. And this is what I'm realizing through it is like, yeah, you know, Brandon, what, what I'm going to go do is I'm going to go and I'm going to go try some things. And I'm not going to, and I'm going to take away contingencies on things. And if there's something I want to do and I'm not doing it, I'm going to look at what's the contingency stopping me from doing it. Mm. And I remove the contingency and I'm going to go do it. And, you know, and that's, that's how I'm going to move forward because I think right now I'm realizing it's like, yeah, the only reason why I don't do things that I want to do or care about is because I've made them contingent on something else. I've made them require something else to happen or be in place or some result to come out of it. If I take away that all of a sudden doing the thing becomes a lot easier because I, I think about myself when I was a kid and, you know, I went and we played hide and seek or we played tag or we played some imagination game, but we didn't do it contingent on, oh, well, it has to be this way. We just did it because it was fun. And I think that there's a lot of things that I really like to do and they're a lot of fun, but they become not very fun and I don't like to do them when there's contingencies there and there's things that must be met to make them so. And I, I, you know, I, I think this is, this is the big awareness that I'm kind of realizing that I can take this lesson and apply it to many other areas of my life, not just screenwriting, not just my art. Yeah. So I'm going to go and, and dabble in that. And I think it'll be pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. For me, my takeaway in this one, uh, you know, it actually comes down to faith for me on this one. It's, and, and faith in that it's like, you know what? I'm going to speak and put my voice out there in my work as honestly and as much from the heart as I possibly can. Hmm. That might seem like a little bit, you know, like, yeah, there's an element that seems a little token about that, but it's true. Like when you get to the heart of it, it's like you speak as honestly and from the heart as possible in your work. And yeah, like shit creeps up, you know, you you know, and you catch yourself being like, Oh, I'm trying to be clever. I'm trying to be interesting. I'm trying to be more with this thing that I did here. 
and just try and catch myself a little more every single time. But have faith that in the pursuit of, of speaking and doing as honestly as you can, that it's going to be just fine. It's all going to work out because honestly, that's the best that you can do. Being honest is the best that you can do. Trying to be special is the worst you can do. Hmm. Yeah. Honest is the best. So, and they say it, honesty is the best policy. (laughs) So in more ways than one, (laughs) it's not just about being honest and not lying to people and telling the truth in a very literal sense of it all, but in who we are, in the way that we are being honest in the way that we work in the way that we create, be honest about it, but where it's coming from and what bad can come of that. There's a really nice side benefit of this is that when we don't need to be special anymore, we'll end up being more honest. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we lived in a world where people told the truth more and were more honest and stopped pretending to be something else? Wouldn't that be amazing if everybody was just like, if we could all just go, oh, God, I can like, exactly. Wouldn't that be so nice? You know what? That's exactly what it is. You know what? (laughs) Letting go of being special is like being able to breathe again. Yeah. Yeah. So breathe people. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family, or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.